All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to The Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca, your digital home for online gaming excitement, including casino, live dealer, lottery instance, and sport betting. Sign up today at PlayAlberta.ca. Hey, welcome back to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Well, Marty, it's uh, it's been a while. Of course, uh, Sean Brown here here with me. Do do you remember? Uh, uh, you know, do you remember a young Sean Brown in your in your days in the NHL? <laughs> listen, when Brownie said, "Listen, you want to come on the show?" I can't miss an opportunity to heckle Brownie <laughs> <laughs> just to give him a hard time. Um, no, I roped with Brownie, and and uh, I I remember very distinctly when I I went back to Edmonton for a year, and I thought, okay, this will be great. I a lot of great friends, and Flats and I sat down, and he said, "Listen, we've got some some talented young players that that need a little bit of guidance." And he said, "Not unlike you when you came into the league." And uh, Brownie was absolutely one of those guys, as was Tom Pody and you know George LaRock and a number of young guys they had on that team. So it was it was a lot of fun, and I had a lot of laughs with Brownie. Marty, it's uh, obviously it's it's always good to hear your voice. Um, we've had a couple of chats leading up to this. It's funny, you know, obviously you having the career that you had and you being as tough as you were and the things you did for your teammates, there was a lot of rules that a lot of guys had to go by when you were on the ice. And there was a bunch of rules that I had to go by as a roommate of yours. And I just, I I tell my friends quite often some of the funny stories and I just, I enjoyed so much of my time being on the road with you, but it was, it was always funny. We get into a city and it was like routine. It was like, Hey kid, I I'm going to hang up all my suits. Your job is just to write down all the messages. And when I'm done getting all organized and set up, 
then you put your stuff away. And there was, I mean, you've done so much and you've met so many people throughout your career. Uh, the places that you took me to and the times that you showed me, um, I'm forever grateful for. You know, when you think back at your career, what are some of the things that stuck out, you know, stood out for you? Well, you know, Brownie, the great thing there was, A, it starts, it's really great when you start out with a really good kid. I mean, you know, and so many of the young guys that were in the league were, were really good young men. And, you know, I, I was given an opportunity. And when I came to Edmond, in, in, when I was in Pittsburgh originally, there wasn't great veterans. And it really had, it really made it hard. And then when I came to Edmonton, I was surrounded by so many great veterans. And I learned an awful lot from guys like Mess and Koff and Gretz and Yari and Kevin and all those guys. So it was really easy for me, Brownie, because I was passing on when I got taught, when I first got there. And at the same time, it was my job for, you know, I, I wanted, we weren't a great team, but I wanted you guys to have fun and enjoy the experience of being pro players. So the fact we're going to go out, we're going to enjoy life. Nights before a game, though, you know, we went out, we had dinner, we prepared for the game. We never, we never drank nights before games. And I can't say that wasn't true after the games, <laughs> but, but you know, nights before games, we prepared. And I tried to pass on a little bit about having fun, enjoying the game, but at the same time, be prepared, do what you need to do, and be a great player. Marty, you, uh, you of course, started uh, your career undrafted uh, and went into uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, uh, you know, uh, basically, as a, no, not necessarily a walk on, but kind of like a walk on. And, you know, you made the 83 84 Penguins no, team. No, I definitely, I yeah. definitely was a walk on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the, the next year, you know, you, you went to the, to the AHL and played a little bit in the, in the NHL. And then you got traded to Edmonton late, uh, you know, in, in, I guess the summer. I think it was like early September, if, if I'm not mistaken. You got traded for Gilles Malosh. He went to Pittsburgh. You came to, uh, to Edmonton. Take me back to that training camp with the orders in 85 86, because I think you got traded in, in like right, either during camp or right before camp started and kind of what you knew about the orders at that time. Well, I mean, first of all, when I, you know, when you, you, when I showed up at Pittsburgh, they never planned on keeping me. Um, I came out of junior and I, you know, I tried out and signed a contract. The next year I went there after junior and they were never going to keep me. I had number 78 in training camp. And then I was like, please put me into some exhibition games. So they put me into an exhibition game, and Brownie, you know, I would said to you, "You got to make an impact. We can't go home quietly. We got to know. <laughs> they got to know that we're here." And I had an opportunity to play in some exhibition games and uh, go out and make my presence felt. And the next day in training camp, I had number four. Uh, so I went from number seventy-eight to number four in Pittsburgh. I played that whole first year, and you know, I had I had a a, a really a big game in Edmonton from a standpoint that, you know, I knew how great they were because I was a big fan of the game. I was really familiar with Wayne because I grew up just south of Wayne in, in southern Ontario. I saw him play a god when he was 13 years old. Um, but, you know, so we went into Edmonton, and Mess and I had a couple of big fights. And, I mean, I remember going over to their, their door of the penalty box waiting for Mess to come out. And I was a kid. I was a rookie. I was 20 years old. But I didn't care. And because of just of that mindset, I wasn't going to go home quietly. I wasn't going to get pushed out of anybody's rink. Then you fast forward it, you know, uh, then, uh, you know, I played that whole year. The next year, Pittsburgh sent me down to Baltimore for half a year, which actually worked out really great for me. I wouldn't have said it at the time. But, you know, we went to the Calder Cup finals. We had a really good team. I played a ton. And I got traded to Pittsburgh or to uh, to Edmonton. 
And I swear to God, I never thought I was going to make the hockey team. And I had to muster up every bit of, of self-courage and uh, uh, confidence to, to believe that I was going to be able to walk in there and try to make that hockey team and throw it all out on the ice and let it, let it fall where it may. And Slats, I think, really wanted – he was cheering for me in a sense. And the players – I walked into such a wonderful environment with a great group of young guys. And I, I tell Brownie, I told Brownie yesterday, I said, it was like a fantasy camp hockey school for me. But the first day I was there, I walked in the locker room and I was there, and you're almost like really uncomfortable. You're not sure what to do. I'm standing there. And Gretz comes up and goes, hey, Marty, great to see you. Welcome to the team. And Paul Coffey pulled me aside and said, hey, listen, you need a car? You need anything? Took me out for dinner. He goes, I have a car. I can get you for a couple of weeks until you get grounded. Mass goes, you're not staying in the hotel. You're staying in my house. And it was just onwards and upwards from there. And, you know, the guys like Randy Gregg and Andy Moog and Grant Fear, they were, they were really, really, really great people. Charlie Huddy, Mark Napier, Mike Krusilinski. I was surrounded by great people. And Samank was great to me. God, but I really miss the big man. But he was so good to me. He didn't have to be. And uh, it was a perfect environment for a young guy to grow. And I loved it. Loved it. Now, Marty, back in the, in the 80s, training camp at times was like fight fest. Um, did you and Semenko uh, fight each other in training camp? Not at all. you got to remember, though, I had played against Edmonton, and I'd had a couple of fights. And yeah. Flats could have put Semenko on the ice as a rookie. So I had played in the NHL. I'd gone through. I'd had fights with guys like Willie Platt and Ben Wilson and Clark Gillies and, and you know, Glenn Cochran, who, you know, unfortunately we just lost a couple few weeks ago. God bless him. And, you know, there were so many tough guys. I'd, I'd done that. They knew I could fight. Okay. I think the question was, could I, could I play with them? And so, no, there was never that with Samank. And, and, I mean, I walked in that locker room. Boy, they'd won two Stanley Cups. And I had a ton of respect for him. So, again, I'm like, please, just put me into an exhibition game. <laughs> and Slats, Slats kind of slowly brought me along. He actually moved me up to, up to right wing and said, listen, I'm going to put you as a winger. Because I think he, he you know, and, and I would practice with Mark Messier and Glenn Anderson on a line. And I can tell you, it was like being in a speed trap. <laughs> it was, they were going one way, I'm going the other. And it was at the start, it was like, oh my god! I was like, you're 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 in, you know, there's just the wind of them going around, flying around the ice. And but I slowly started to catch up, and I think Slats used that as a vehicle. Then we'd get to the game, and I might play with Krushelinski or Mac T, and or McClellan. But I was fine with the ability to practice with Mark and, and Andy. And just gain that experience, and they were great with me. And some one of the guys came up to me the one day and said, "Gosh, I feel bad. You practice with Messi's line, but you don't play with them." I said, "No, no. I get to practice with Mark Messi and Glenn Anderson." <laughs> so that was the mindset I had, which 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 was really great. Marty, when I think back to your days in Pittsburgh, and you you know one of the guys we have a common connection here. The one of my best friends growing up, Dylan Taylor. His grandfather was Billy Taylor, um, a great Oshawa General, Toronto Maple Leaf, and. If I'm not mistaken, he gave you and Kevin McQuillan your your shot. I quite often tell kids that you know you got to create you know your own breaks, uh, and then it's what you do when you get a break. You're clearly a guy that's done you know so many things to give yourself a break and get people in your corner. What do you say to the young kids that you know you talk to today or the dads? about, you know, your path to get there and, and what kids... I mean, we got Day Arnay, young defenseman on the Oilers. We got Dylan Holloway, 
who are kind of, to me, two guys that are kind of trying to carve out, um, you know, uh, a spot on the Oilers roster. But what, what do you say to parents or young kids? Well, you know, Brownie, I get asked a lot. I get a lot of parents that come up to me. I come up to, I, I'm in, I'm in a lot of, I go to a lot of games, whether Alberta Junior Hockey League, Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, OHL, Western Hockey League, uh, American Hockey League games, I, I, university hockey games. Every chance I can, when I go out and do my my trips, I, I love to go and watch a game, and I get the parents, and the parents worry so much about points, and I try to tell them, I'm like. Some of the most valuable people on hockey teams are the guys that play in the third line, the guys that kill the penalties, the guys that endear themselves on on really being that team guy to shut the other team down, to give really good, solid minutes, to get momentum in the hockey game. You know, the, one of the hardest things in the NHL, and I tell kids this, is for a coach to walk down the bench and trust four or five guys that you can put them on the ice in your own end and you know that they're accountable and they're going to care and do a good job in their own zone. That's really hard. Not a lot of teams have four or five guys that they can truly trust in their own end. And you'll make a great career doing it. And, you know, Brownie, I talked to you about building a foundation to your game. When you build a foundation to your game that you can build on. I coached in the American Hockey League, and I'd call guys in, and I'd say, listen, you're not going to go up to the NHL as a first-line guy. Let's not send you up for one week. Let's send you up for 10 years. And how do we do that? How do we build your foundation on your game? And, that's when I'm trying to talk to parents, and they look at me like I've got two heads because it's like they think they need points to be seen. No, no, you don't. You, 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 need, you need to show them that you can skate. You can need to show them you're going to play hard. You're going to create havoc. You're going to do all those little things that they can trust you by sending you up to the next level. Marty McSorley joins us. Marty, I saw Wayne Gretzky talking the other day about you know Marty McSorley and the outdoor rink in Edmonton and how you'd practice and then you'd go to the rink and spend all this time practicing again on the outdoor rink and that's how you became better and you know I don't know how, how accurate that is you know I want you to comment on that but I also want to comment I think people forget like you know you you were a winger then eventually became a defenseman you played a lot of minutes as a defenseman but you were somebody who worked really hard in his game but your first year in Edmonton you had eleven goals and twenty three points in fifty nine games and in, in kind of a limited role. Like you, you showed that you had like the hockey sense early. It work ethic was clearly never an issue. But how did you improve as a player? And then you made that transition from back to to defense again because I know you'd obviously played D before you came to Edmonton. But you know how was it? And what was the key for you on working on your game? Did you spend as many hours as Wayne said at the ODR? Yeah. Well, see, I didn't really look upon it as all those hours. Okay. I, I really truly was having that much fun. And did I go to the outdoor ranks? Yeah, I did. You know, a couple of the stick boys, you know, the guys that work in the locker room are so special, and they do so much. I mean, we had the best team in the league. We even, Our stick boy even played 20 years in the NHL. <laughs> Ray Whitney. <laughs> That's how good our team was. <laughs> um, but, no, I, I love it. I would go out there and skate with the kids, and it'd be cut. 30 below zero, 25 below zero. And it was, I really, truly loved it. But you got to remember, there's some times when things aren't great for a lot of guys in the NHL, and you go to practice, and you're not sure if you're going to still be there, if your jersey's still going to be hanging in your stall, all of those things. In Edmonton, I could go to practice and just just go and learn and have fun with the guys and work my tail off. And, you know, after practices, to have guys like Yari Curry and those guys to play a little three-on-three with me or to play keep-away with me or teach me how to come out of the corner with the puck, all of those little things. And, you know, Yari Curry would come up to me sometimes after practice and go, hey, Maddie's, 
come here, I teaches you something. <laughs> <laughs> and it was unbelievable, the little things he could do. And, you know, there's times in the game I'd look back at John Muckler, like, did I really just see that? And, you know, it was it was really, really awesome. So, yes, I did spend a ton of time. I You know, I'd see the guys leaving, leaving the building uh, while I was still out in the ice, fooling around, having fun. But I was I was afforded the opportunity to have a great time doing it, you know. And so yeah, I put a ton of time into the game. I mean, I grew up with six brothers, and it was so so competitive. Oh. And you know, if I had any fear in the NHL, the only fear I really think I had was to not make it and not do well. And I think that drove drove me every day. And uh, you know, Marty, you know that work ethic was something that that you had uh, that was you know mentioned from your brothers was kind of instilled in you. But you know, w- when you went from Edmonton, then when you went, you were part of the Wayne Gretzky trade. Obviously, one of the the biggest trades in NHL history. Take me back to how you found out you were part of it, and and how and who delivered that news that Wayne wanted you as part of the package. Well, I was actually at Bob Cole's charity golf tournament in uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, and. I, Bob Cole was like, listen, we'd love to have you come out. And, you know, Bob Cole was obviously, you know, somebody revered all across Canada. And I went out there, and it was really great. Actually, you know, Kevin Lowe was there from the Oilers, and Bernie Nichols was there from, from L.A., but also, like, John Ferguson. There was just Red Fisher. There were so many people from the hockey world. And it was interesting. I got there, and Bob Cole said, you know, Slap said he was going to come but he called and apologized and said he couldn't make it. There was something that come up, and and I didn't think anything of it. And um, Kevin Lowe and I went out for a run, and we ran up to a point, and we came back, and Don Koharski came running out of the hotel, and he goes, oh, my God, he goes, they just traded Wayne Gretzky. And I'm like, I looked at him, and I'm like, no, they, they, they can't do that. They can't do it. And Kevin and I look at each other, and it was just kind of this quiet, like, shock. And... So I went up to my room and I thought about it and I called my agent, Mike Barnett, who worked with, with Gretz. And I said, Mike, I heard they traded Gretz. I said, they can't do that. Last year they got rid of Koff, Andy Moog, Kent Nielsen didn't resign, Rail Rutsalainen, and then we still won the cup and only lost two games. I said, you can't tear apart the best team in history. Mike Barnett said, sit down, big boy. I think you're in the trade. I'm like, oh, God. And so... Um, then it was just kind of a whirlwind and I sat down with Gretz and Gretz goes, listen, he goes, this is a big thing. You know, Peter Pocketon, there's a lot of money involved and Slats was great. Slats, Slats said to me, listen, Marty goes, I would love to have you back at any time. He said, this is bigger than the two of us. And he goes, um, you know, let me know if there's anything I can do. And he said, you know, it was a pleasure having you or whatever. And it was, Slats was really, really awesome. And I went to L.A. not knowing what to expect. The amount of pressure Wayne Gretzky had on his shoulders to grow the game, the responsibility he took in the game was unbelievable. And he and I became really close because I think he needed some people around him to kind of look out for him a little bit and sometimes just pull him away from some things and let him enjoy the game. We'd finish a game in L.A. and I'd say, Gretz, where are you going? You want to grab a beer somewhere? He goes, no, I've got to go for dinner with the chairman of Sony, or I've got to go. And it was constantly selling the game for him, growing the game. And, you know, when I look, I swear to God, when I look at these teams in San Jose and Phoenix and Dallas and Florida, um, Wayne Gretzky had a big, big part in all of that. And and it was 
really awesome, though, at the same time, because Wayne and Bruce McNall, they grew the game. Where we've got all top movie stars in Hollywood all wanting to be there. Uh, our locker room was full of who's who, and the invites to movie premieres and everything else was really great. But at the same time, um, you know, you you got to be ready to play. But it was a great experience and something I'll never, ever forget. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Remember, he cranked me in the side of the ear. I thought he cracked my head. And so I'm in the penalty box, and literally I thought there was going to be blood in my ear. I'm like, this kills. And it was towards the end of the period. Period's over. I go into the room. I go see Kenny and you come flying in and you're like, Brownie, Brownie, great job. But next time, as soon as you get out of the box, I want you to go right at him. And this is what I want you to do. And I remember looking at you and being like, Marty, there's going to be no next time. <laughs> and you have, you know, that's just the way you're wired. And it's funny. I mean, you do awful, an awful lot of charity work and, you know, anyone that's been around you, you know, obviously speaks highly of you. There's, and I tell them, I'm like, Marty is the nicest guy. But when you put a helmet on Marty McSorley, he turns into this animal. <laughs> I, and I just, you have this switch and it's, it's amazing because, you know, you have the ability. I, I remember playing against uh, Stu Grimson, Rob Ray. There's certain guys that could stand up on a bench and take control of a bench. And just by their presence and what they say, can have such an impact on the game. You watch the game today. Um, what do you think of it? You know, when you look at it from, you know, the way I'm looking at, you know, the way I looked at you and the way you played. Well, I mean, in our era, Brownie, I mean, you, you, you getting a little bit more space, you getting a little bit recognition from people around the league saying, boy, this kid's fearless. And I think it's really valuable. Uh, especially in a time when we could clear the front of the net, when you know you could you could kind of get a, a hook into somebody and 
take them, send them four rows into the stands type of thing. Um, you know, and there's times when every team had three or four guys that would go out and fight. Um, yeah. You know, there was times that, you know, I know I needed your help. Um, and from a standpoint of just strictly numbers and, and for us to have a, a presence on the road. And I was fired up for you because, I, I again, I wanted you to continue to make those next steps. And you looked at me and you were like, oh, no, 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 no. no. I'm, I've, I've taken enough of it tonight. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I'll work with him next time. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, Brownie, no, it was, again, it was just, it was part of that whole maturation for you. And I was really fired up to be a part of it. And I really mean that. It was it was fun for me, um, just just to be a you know to, to watch these young guys grow. And you know, I, I get I get a lot of guys will stop and see me and guys that used to play, and and it's it's really great for me. But the game itself right now, see, I'm not I'm not convinced that there always you know there needs to be a lot of fighting in the game or whatever. I did have it was interesting. I was you know the start of the season. I was at some uh, uh, exhibition games and different things. And I had somebody involved with the league who asked me, how do we get respect back on the ice? And I said, well, you guys work so hard to get it off the ice where, where we kind of police the ice ourselves. But I do think that the young guys that play are really, really good young men. I think that they work their buns off. I think that they, they, they play the rules that are given to them right now. Um, I don't necessarily love them. Do I like to, would I like to see some rule changes? Absolutely. Um, but they're really, really good young men. I don't necessarily believe there, there has to be a lot of fighting, but I do think we have to put the respect back on the ice. I, I think that, you know, I, I was, I'm watching college hockey games down here, Arizona State playing, and they seem to stop the play and go in, put their headset on because they're looking for majors all the time. And I'm like, just let them play. Just leave the game alone. You know, you're, don't, don't be looking for things that aren't there. Yeah. And that's kind of my mindset on the game. But played by great young men, the game is fun to watch. I mean, let's be honest, you guys in Edmonton, it's as close as you'll ever get to having Messier and Gretzky again. Well, you've got Connor McDavid and, and Leon Dreisaitl. What a, what a wonderful team and uh, opportunity to watch two of the best players in the whole world. Marty, I don't think I've ever asked you this question. I've always wanted to. So what? how hard was the hit? that led to your temporary amnesia where you didn't remember uh, hitting Mike Bullard? Uh, well, it wasn't, I mean, did I, I got him pretty good. Yeah. Well, he sold it too, though. There's no, there's no debate there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I don't think it was enough for an ambulance to come on the ice. Yeah. Uh, you know, my brothers called me. They're like, oh, way to go. Way to go. And I'm like, come on. Listen, you guys. Any one of you guys could be in the same situation. And uh, But, you know, what, what I found really interesting, Brownie, and we talk about uh, uh, physicality in games. We play at, Calgary finished first overall in the NHL that year. Yeah. And I remember Mark Messier saying in the locker room, whoever wins this series is going to win the Stanley Cup. And it was it was second series of, of, of the playoffs, and he just said whoever wins the series is going to win the Stanley Cup, and it was that it was really that blatant. Um, so when I speared Mike Bullard, we won the first game, I think it was three to one. The second game was Gretzky's overtime shot over Mike Vernon's shoulder. Yeah. When we won in overtime, I think five four, 
And then we came back to, to Edmonton, and I was playing with Charlie Huddy, which was awesome. Charlie Huddy was a great, great player. And, uh, you know, because Glenn moved me back to play, play defense again. And, and I played defense the whole time in Pittsburgh my first year. So Glenn moved me back. I'm playing there. I'm playing with Charlie Huddy. And Gary Roberts runs my head, like jumped up and put his butt right in the back of my neck and drove me into the glass. And Andy Van Helmet just looked the other way because he was letting the players play. And when I speared Bullard, we scored on that play, and I actually got an assist on the goal. <laughs> I moved the puck. Gary Roberts hits me. I go up, spear Mike Bullard. We score. I get an assist. Go figure. Anyways, I get kicked out of the game, and Calgary Flames never showed up after that. We, we, we beat them like 8-2, and the next game we beat them like 8-3. And that, that surprised me as much as anything. I really thought the Calgary Flames were going to come back, and I'm looking for a battle that never happened. And so you can say what you want about it, but did it change the series? I don't know. It may have. It was part of a whole whole bunch of things, I think, that we did, but we swept the team that finished first overall in the whole league. Yeah. So, Marty, I uh, I remember one night we were out in L.A. We went down to Manhattan Beach. You gave me the best advice. Still sticks with me to this day, and I don't know if you remember it, but we actually looked at uh, – you had bought some property on the ocean, and it was um, – it was like a it was like a shack, like a surfer shack. And I remember you saying, Brownie, it's not how you live when you play; it's how you live when you're done. Um, you know, and it always kind of stuck with me and, and made me always think about making making the right decisions financially. Um, what what is what does Marty do right now? What are what are you doing? I know you got a young family. What do you, what do you do? Well, you know, Brownie, when I coached in the American Hockey League, and my wife, you know, we lost a few pregnancies, and you know, there was a, some some a situation and. So I left. I stepped aside, and my wife and I, we, we now have three kids, and they're 16, 15, and 12. And I really, really am enjoying being a dad. And I don't know if I could have done it when I was still playing. So I put a lot of time into being a dad, being with my kids, enjoying all the experiences of it. And I do a ton of charity events. I do a lot of speaking events. I was actually on the phone with a guy in Calgary. I'm going in August to a great event that they do for charity. And I talked to a guy in Elkford, B.C. that I go to, and, you know, they're putting a helipad into Elkford so people can be air vac out of there. You know, I get up to Slave Lake and see a lot of my good friends up there and some of the foundations that they have up there. And Fort McBurry, I've been up to Fort Mackay. I've been to Lac La Biche. I get a chance to see so many great people, uh, you know, into Saskatchewan. And when I go in there, I get to New Yorkton or Shaunavan. I go in to see junior games or intermediate games. I was in Redverse, Saskatchewan a week ago to see the intermediate team play, and building was packed. It was really, really awesome. So that's pretty much what I'm doing. I'm still dabbling in real estate, you know, getting involved on certain projects and different things and, you know, growing up on a farm. And even my good friend Sam Abu Hassan in, in Edmonton, Sam had always said, you know, how precious real estate was. And Sam coming from the Middle East, he would absolutely know. So I, I still dabble in it. I still have a great time doing it. Um, and, uh, so that's, that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. And I'm, I'll see Brownie when I'm, when I'm done, um, when, I, when, when the kids get out of the house, I'll see what I'm going to do. Would I want to go run a junior team? Maybe. I think that would be fun molding young minds and, uh, kind of showing young kids the ropes and getting them started, you know? Well, I'm already have no doubt uh, you'd easily be able to connect with the, uh, with the young players. Um, you got a real good way with words, inspiring uh, lots of uh, lots of people. As always, it's it's great to catch up with you. Uh, we appreciate it and continued success. Thanks for the time. 
Okay, I'm looking forward to the game tonight. People are abuzz. I'm getting phone calls from L.A. and different places. They're wanting a chance to see it. And, oh, yeah. You know, cheering for those young Oilers. It's uh, it's great. I think that I think Koff and the new coach have stepped in. I think they've done a wonderful job. Oh. And uh, I'm looking forward to being in Edmonton come playoff time. All right. Well, hey, we'll see you then. you got a, an open invitation to come in studio when you're here. Well, thank you. Thank you. And i gotta, I got to continue to school Brownie a little bit every time I get there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing this, Marty. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 